Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. In the realm of the metaphysical, there are two sides. There is this side, and there is the other side. I'm asking you ever ask yourself questions such as, When we die, why are we here? Where do we go? Why is there evil? Why do we fear? What is it? What's the meaning of life? Why do we hate? Why do we love? What is awesome? What is life? Why is there suicide? And what happens to those who choose that path? Welcome to Messages from Beyond, the show that addresses all of these questions and more with your hosts, Twin Soul Spiritual Mediums, Dennis and Alice Jackson. Well, good evening and welcome to Messages from Beyond. I'm Dennis Jackson. And I'm Alice Jackson. And we are back live we're, and uh, we're live, live and well. It's December 3rd. Yeah. Oh, we have a great studio audience going on here. <laughs> oh, it's good to be back live. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, we we just want to welcome everyone and wish you a very happy holiday season. It's uh, We just had Thanksgiving, and now it's still Hanukkah yeah. through, um, through Thursday of this week. And it's been an interesting couple weeks we've been having. Yeah, and, we're, and everybody's getting ready to, go to get into Christmas and had finish a great Hanukkah show. and get into Christmas. Had a great show last week, we you know, honoring your sister. And we did, and we, we did a great show last week, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, it's available on the archive shows and talks about hospice mm-hmm. and dealing with the passing of my sister. Uh, and tonight we're going to talk about... He's a little slow tonight. <laughs> Our drummer. Had to wait for the drummer. <laughs> tonight we have special guests, Cindy and Jay Baum from Miami, Florida. And they've been fabulous you know, guests, and you're going to love them yeah. if I can get the audience to calm down well, a little bit. Well, you know, bit. They, they just have a certain amount of time they have to applaud, and that's all. They're paid. You know, they're, 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 they're uh, uh, union people, so. Uh. <laughs> okay. Well, dear. Yes. <laughs> get, your, get your humor and jokes oh, out of the way, dear. because we've got a serious show tonight. And, okay. And we bring this to you to share how, you know, to answer questions that I've always had in how to deal with people who have suffered loss in their lives, mm-hmm. in their families. And until you know what it's like yourself, you don't know how the other person feels. And I have to say something. This is this this kind of um, this show, this this subject that we're going to be talking about tonight is from the side we're we're trying to bring in an idea from from the side of people who maybe don't believe that that life doesn't 
you know, it, 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 that it, they don't believe it doesn't end. They believe it ends. Right. You know, and we're trying to show them another way of, of dealing with that. And that's okay if that's their belief. We understand that. If, if people believe like we do and that life just continues on, the body quits, but the, 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 the energy, because you can't, energy doesn't die. It, it's continuous. Right. It, um, it comes in. It's like we have energy in our body and we use it all the time. We bring in food. We exert energy energy and at the same time we're creating other energy so it just it keeps flowing it's like a flow of energy when you think about it it never stops no we take in energy we send out exactly. energy exactly however from the human level from the human level it's a whole different story we deal with life and death and grief and yes. tears and sadness from in our time. life many 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 times and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight Cindy and Jay are very actively involved in the compassionate friends which i invite you all to go to compassionatefriends.org uh, while you're listening to us or after the and, show and that's not to say that our spiritual friends who do believe that you know life continues on won't benefit from this too because it's for oh, everybody. everyone benefits. I everybody. Mean, I I had to deal oh, with yeah. this just uh, in the last couple of weeks, and I learned a whole new aspect of yeah. death Which we and breathing. Last week, yeah. Exactly. But now, you know, we, we talk about honoring the children on the other side, and yet Cindy and Jay are going to tell us that it's not just your children, it's your children, your grandchildren, and your siblings. Because um, Cindy will talk about the siblings being the the forgotten ones that people are mourning and being bereaved about. And so we're going to bring bring Cindy and Jay in and talk about Compassionate Friends. There's a very special um, date coming up this coming Sunday that we're going to talk about. It's the uh, International Candle Lighting Ceremony that's coming up on December 8th at 7 p.m. in every time zone across yeah. the world. So uh, we're going to talk about that. And let's uh, welcome Cindy and Jay Baum. Welcome to Messages from Beyond. Hey, guys. Hi, hi, Alan. Hi, Dennis. Thank you and for yes, having us on again. Yes, Jay. I, I hear my whole, my, whole, yeah, my whole <laughs> fan club uh, must, is there in the studio. Thank you. Yeah, they, they, all, they all came in. <laughs> they are. Now, Cindy, I went to the website for, for Compassionate Friends, and I want to just intro a little bit and let people know what we're going to be talking about. Uh, the Compassionate Friends from their website, um, the founder of Compassionate Friends, Simon Stevens, says, the Compassionate Friends is about transforming the pain of grief into the elixir of hope. It takes people out of the isolation society imposes on the bereaved and lets them express their grief naturally. With the shedding of tears, healing comes, and the newly bereaved get to see people who have survived and are learning to live and love again. And there's a wonderful quote on the site also that says, Time has proven that in caring and sharing comes healing. And, and that's what I love about the Compassionate Friends is that it's, it's a support group of sorts. Can you enlighten us and let everybody know how you came to come to be involved with Compassionate Friends and what it's done for you and what it can do for others. 
Absolutely. About a year and a half after our son Evan died suddenly, I was contacted by mom who had also um, had a son die. Uh, and Judith, along with myself, uh, Shelley, and Brenda met uh, to decide whether or not we wanted to form a chapter of the Compassionate Friends because it is a commitment um, to do this on an ongoing basis. Uh, Compassionate Friends, as you mentioned, is a, it's a national nonprofit support organization that offers friendship and understanding to families grieving the loss of a child, a grandchild, or a an adult sibling of any age from any cause. It's what we refer to as an out-of-sequence loss. We expect that we will bury our parents and even, even a spouse, but we never as parents ever expect that we will bury our children. And so we decided to go forth and make this commitment. Uh, we meet once a month, um, and here we do not have to wear the mask that we have to wear out in the, what we refer to as the civilian world. Um, our meetings, there are no fees or membership dues to attend a Compassionate Friends meeting. And it's where we share our story and learn about compassion and hope from each other. Tell me a little bit about your background, you and Jay, and, and the loss of your children that... Um, you can share to help others. I know you have two completely different stories and experiences. Uh, absolutely. Um, back in 1969, uh, I gave birth to a little girl. Um, she was born alive. She only lived for a few hours. Uh, and things were very different back in 1969. Uh, men were not allowed in the delivery room. Uh, there were no Lamaze classes to go to. There was no amniocentesis at that time or, you know, or the scans that are being done today. And so there was no pre-knowledge of the fact that our daughter would be born with severe birth defects, those that were not detected until after her delivery. And at that time, nobody said to me once our daughter died, would you like to hold her? Would you like to say goodbye? Would you like a picture? She was just taken from me, um, never to see her again. I was advised not to even give her a name. And so she had a certificate of live birth and a certificate of death that said baby girl bound. Um, I left that hospital brokenhearted and empty-handed and didn't know what to do with my grief. I did not know, uh, well, that was the year, 1969 was the year that, that um, Compassionate Friends formed in England, but I knew nothing about anything here. It did not come to the United States till 72. Uh, I'd like Jay to come in and share a little bit about the process with Lisa because men and women do grieve differently, and he has a little different perspective up to the delivery portion. Jay, do you want to? Well, uh, <laughs> this may come as a shock, uh, certainly to Dennis. Men and women are different. Oh no, uh, you're kidding! <laughs> no. <laughs> Very. Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> what What happened when our when uh, our baby girl died? Um, 
for me, it was a very strange experience because I never saw her. I never heard her cry. Yeah. My my grief, my the the hurt that I felt was for Cindy, I, not yeah. this person that I, I knew. I had a daughter, but I, I, I never saw her, never heard her. Uh, you didn't so, carry her for nine months. Sure. Yeah, you didn't have a connection established. Yeah. So, right. uh, sure. you know, my my hurting was was for Cindy, and. <clears throat> right. um, which was interesting also, uh, 12 years ago when our son died, when Evan died, uh, it was the kind of the same thing, same feeling for me. Mm. Um, we, I, you know, I fix things. I, right. uh, I make decisions. I, but when you're faced with a situation, how do I fix this? How do I, yeah. how do I mend this? Uh, so my my hurt, my my pain, again was not dealing with Evan's death. Or, was, was trying to help Cindy, and I didn't right. know how to help Cindy. Uh, the, her pain was so severe, so sharp, and, and uh, un, unimaginable. Yeah. Certainly, absolutely. Uh, so for me, uh, more so. When Evan died, it wasn't until months later that it began to sink in. But, you know, society, is, and, and I'm kind of straight-line society, um, there's life and there's death. Um, I, For me, for society in general, death is a normal process. Uh, elderly people die. That's that's not tragic. That's normal. That's part mm-hmm. of our life cycle. Right. But when you have a child and out of sequence death, boy, does that it, you, there's no book there. There's no rules. What do you do now? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's very difficult to deal with an out of sequence death. When you lose a child, there is no such thing as closure. We never get over the loss. We get through the loss. And with our daughter, I stuffed those feelings. I did not understand how important it is to take the time to grieve. And it was through the work after Evan's death, when I started working with compassionate friends, that I began to understand how important this is. And I believe Elizabeth Edwards said it best when she spoke at our national conference. Um, we can delay grief. We just can't deny the grief. And I can tell you firsthand that unresolved grief that lies within your body will wreak havoc with your immune system. And so as I began to do my work of my own grieving journey and helping others through compassionate friends, Um, I didn't always speak about the death of our daughter unless I knew that there was a mom who had had a similar loss, either through miscarriage, um, stillbirth, or infant loss. But Mm -hmm. then I I was only able to talk about my daughter without a name. And what finally came to an head one night was that I did have a mom who came. She had a baby born still. She brought a picture of her daughter, Emily, place on our memorial table 
And while I grieved with that mother, I envied the fact that she had a photo when she showed me a beautiful blanket that the baby had been wrapped in. And I went home that night and I said to Jay, we need to do something about this. I cannot go on. When I say, people ask me, how many children do you have? I have three children. I have one surviving son, and I have two that died. And so 38 years after the birth and the death of our daughter, we had a ceremony, and we had our daughter named, and her name is Lisa Ellen, and we had a marker placed on her grave. And somebody yeah. said to me, it doesn't matter that 38 years later that she now has a name. And I have come to believe that until we can acknowledge a loss, we cannot begin to heal. Right. Yeah, and for, for me, uh, now Lisa, baby girl Baum, now became a person. And right. I, although I can't grieve her loss, but I often think about what would little uh, Lisa Ellen, what would she have turned out to be? And I'm mm -hmm. convinced that she would have ruled the family. And um, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. She she was the daughter I never had, and uh, I I think uh, she certainly would have probably been very smart and uh, certainly knew how to handle me. Uh, that's for sure. Oh yeah. But, uh, giving her a name gave. You know, she became a person, and um, although, like I said, I don't grieve for her loss, I grieve for her for the future that she never had. Exactly, right. and and the and the family well, now, uh, dynamics that you didn't a, a, have with a, her. A question comes right. up for me; it just jumps right up. Uh, now you have a son named Eric, who's who's a very successful uh, man in Miami, and and. He's he's a, a fine, upstanding guy. When all of this transpired and you kind of opened up to this, did it give you a different vision of the child that's with you? A different feeling, or it, what, what? What's surrounding that? This just came out of my mind right now. Yeah, for for me, uh, it's very difficult because Eric uh, is in a he's a firefighter. Right. He, he's the one that runs into the burning buildings. Sure, and sure. I can't stop his life. I can't stop my life, right. and I and I can't I, I can't let my worries uh, affect not only me and Cindy, but but Eric as well. I have to let him live his life, and yeah. uh, he yep. he has faced danger. He's mm -hmm. faced death. Um, but you know, it's uh, I, I certainly do. The night before he goes on a shift, uh, tell him I love him, and uh, every time I see him, you know, there's that hug, there's that kiss, yeah, and uh, let it go, let it go on. I I can't think of uh, Eric in terms of what would I do if he died. I. I, I that's not a thought yeah. I ever have. No, however, absolutely no. not. No, but but my my the reason I asked that question was it just enhances your feelings toward the the one that's here because I heard you say you hug him, you give him a kiss, you tell him you love him, and not that you wouldn't normally do that, but it makes you very aware of 
the fact that this person is here. How fragile life is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It sharpens our senses. It really does. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt uh, you, Cindy, either. Cindy had a however. Well, many people, especially early bereaved, uh-huh. if we are fortunate enough to have a surviving child, yeah. have that feeling of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because we know that it can now happen to us, there is a tremendous fear that something will happen to their surviving children. And what happens in some instances is we become um, overprotective. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you stories of people who want to <clears throat> text their kids 24-7. Yeah, they really. Want that <laughs> from them. They will be up all night. You know, if the child is five minutes late, they begin to panic because they feel vulnerable. Because up until this point, the death of a child only happened to somebody else. It never happened to you. Right. But now yeah. we know differently. And so we do feel very, very vulnerable, at least many, you know, many of the members that I deal with across the country do. Right. But you know something, it's strange because I think you mentioned it earlier on, a sibling is the forgotten mourner. And yes. when people realize that Cindy and I have, have lost two children, uh, we're the ones that, you know, they, they console. And sure. Eric is out there on his own. He lost not only his brother, but his best friend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's, mm, absolutely. he's hurting, too. He's grieving in, in a whole different way that, that Cindy and I are. And oh, yeah. uh, early on, right after Evan died and, and people were still coming to our house and Eric would be there, they come into the house and immediately they go to Cindy to console right. her. Mm-hmm. And, sure. you know, what about me? What about Eric? We're hurting too. Yeah, but absolutely. that's society's kind of norm. Yeah. Uh, but now, 12 years, 12 and a half years later, after Evan died, I could tell you that our norm, we, we've redefined normal. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, sometimes I, we grieve the people we used to be. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah. I guess in time, one day I'll you know, come to realize I'm who I am now, and um, so be it. I think if you look at look at life in any situation, whether it's you know uh, that you're going to get that feeling that something's different from what it was before, and I, I mean, uh, as as an older person now looking at childhood, I look at it and go, wow, it was real so much simpler when I was you know six or seven years old. I didn't have to worry about the world. I just had to have fun. You know, and go to school and do the things I had to do, and then we get more responsibilities, and then we have children, and now our 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 focuses uh, change. Even though the 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 female of our species carries the child, in my case, I was so totally connected to my kids that if something like that happened, I I don't know. I think I'd be on your side, on your point of view, Cindy. Of not knowing what to do, well, you what, know, and here's this horrible pain. And and how does compassionate friends deal with this in terms of when people um, 
are the newly bereaved, Cindy, where when they call compassionate friends, what can they expect when they go to their first meeting or talk to the first person? And and is there a time that's best for people to call? Well, I here here in the Miami area, I pick up all of the phone calls that come to our TCF line. And sometimes I get a call from a bereaved parent. Sometimes I get a call from another family member or a close friend. Um, here again, it's very individual. I know some people have come to us um, within the first month of the loss. I remember once or twice I had somebody who called. They wanted to have somebody come, and they hadn't even buried the child, and I had told them that I really believed that it was just too soon. They needed to get that behind them. Um, so it is a very individual individual thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do we expect at the meeting? You know, the meetings throughout the United States, each, each meeting has its own personality. We meet once a month. In our chapter, we choose to have the newly bereaved and or more seasoned grievers um, sit together because I think newly bereaved need to see that somehow we survived and they be given hope. Others, other chapters find that newly bereaved need to be together. So it, it just kind of varies. You have to get to know who your members are. What we do provide is a place, as I said, that they can leave their mask at the door. They do not have to pretend with us. There's very little that any newly bereaved person can say or do or feel that one of us has not expressed before. And it can be very liberating um, because sometimes it's just the affirmation that they are not losing their minds. Because sometimes in early grief we can't remember things. We think we're going crazy. We are consumed 24-7 with the loss. And it is different for everyone along the journey Um, as far as sometimes... After the first month, there may be a 10- or 15-minute period where you can think of something else. Some people have to go back to work immediately. Um, and the scenario with that is that, first of all, there's been some research as far as crying and tears. Mm-hmm. And tears of grief can be very therapeutic. Um, and so, you know, we encourage people, if they want to cry or need to cry at a meeting, to go ahead and do that. But people also laugh at meetings. But mm-hmm. nobody is going to say, if they see you laugh, well, I guess you must be over it. Uh-huh. And if they yeah. see right. you cry, nobody is going to say, I think you need to get over it. Right. Exactly. So at a meeting, yeah. they can feel the, whatever grief they need to let out. But understand, Jay had said something about we're not the same people. And when you lose a child, you not only grieve for their loss, but you grieve for the future they will never have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's so yeah. important. So that's, I, that's, that's, I mean, and I it's think, that, that, that they won't have and that you won't see, you know, that the things well, that you had envisioned, you know, from a small baby, this is, these are the life um, life occasions, the life things we're gonna, the the joyous occasions we're gonna have together. When I was right. talking earlier, when, mm-hmm. when you were right. you decided to talk about that, I, I wanted to finish that thought because the, the main thing that I was trying to say was, and and I think you just said it really well. 
we're not the same. We're not. We don't do. We don't grieve the same. We don't feel the same. I mean, I might have. I don't know how I I would handle it, and that's the that's the crazy part. It's you don't know until you're there, and I think that's really the message that I'd like yeah. people to know is you don't know until you're there. Right. For us to sit here and say, oh gee, this is the way I would be, I. I don't, well, I that's can't, why I we know. have them on as our guests, yeah, exactly. and that's why they're they're helping explain this it great. to everyone else. And for those of us that that don't know, um, what can we say to the newly yeah, bereaved? What, I know there's certain things that people always feel awkward, or they say, "Let me know if I can do anything." And I know that's not a good thing to say. You you, you want them? They can well, just jump in and say, "I'm going to do this." How does that? How do, what's the best? Okay, well, let me let me start out by saying some of the things that people do say that they it comes from a place of wanting to be helpful, but some of the things that are not helpful, and then okay. we'll go into some of the things they are. This is so and important. Grief, people take so notes. many people, so many people, and I probably said the same things beforehand. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I if I if I look at it, and sometimes I do a reality check with my members. Um, we don't want to hear they're in a better place. Yeah. We may come to that on our own, but right now the better place is with us. If it's yeah. a if it's a young person who has had a, a child die either through miscarriage, stillbirth, or infant loss, it does not help to hear us to hear people say to us, "Well, you're young, you can have another." Right. We do not have replacement children. Nope. Every single child whether it comes through this lifetime, live or not, has its own meaning and purpose to us, whether it's what might have been, etc. If we are blessed to have a surviving child, it is not helpful to hear somebody say, well, at least thank God you have another child, and which one of your children would you like to give up? Really? Okay. They mean Um, well, but it comes out. They absolutely mean well. Yeah, they they do. They're they're not purposely being hurtful, but some of the things that come out of their mouths are are so hurtful. Yeah. Uh, when when I went back to work, uh, I found I wanted to hear Evan's name. I wanted to talk about Evan. Okay. Yeah. But people were afraid to bring up his name because they thought that would hurt me. So. I became the one with the disease that uh-huh. nobody wanted yeah. to come near. They don't want to catch what I have. Yeah. Uh, they they didn't want to talk about Evan. I did. I wanted to hear his name. I wanted to tell stories about Evan. I still do. Twelve years down the road, sure. I, you know, I love talking about Evan and because mm-hmm. what a great kid he was. A kid, he was a man, and. <laughs> You know what? A, what a super guy. So, but people who have not experienced the, the loss of a child don't quite understand that. Um, I, I didn't want somebody to say to me, "Jay, I know how you feel. I just lost my dog." Now, oh, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, okay. Now, I, I got to tell you, I've had dogs. I've had pets. And they're part of the family. And when we lost the, our, our dog, and we, 
you know, we grieved and, and felt bad too. But don't compare that to the loss of a child. No. You don't know how I feel. You don't know my pain. And even mm. if it has been the loss of a parent, okay, it is still not the same loss. So no. um, I implore your listeners, if you have never lost a child, do not tell people or any person who is going through a grieving process, you know how they feel because everybody feels and grieves differently. Right. Yeah, but you know, Cindy, Alice asked the great question, what do you say? You know what okay. you do? Yeah. You, you give them a hug. You give them a hug. And i got to yeah. tell you, my Alice, you and you know, mm-hmm. my friend Dennis gave me a hug, and that's all he had to do. Yeah. You, you give a hug. You can say, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Um, I, there are no words. Because there are no words there. Right. No. But you can also just be there to listen. Let the person talk about their loved one. Don't, as Jay said, don't be afraid to use their name in conversation. Uh, People say, well, I'm afraid I'll upset. We're upset anyway. Right. And And what if I cry? If you cry, that means that you cared enough to cry with me. That you cared enough for my loved one. Yeah. Okay? But people sometimes are very uncomfortable. And as newly bereaved people will find, sometimes people will think maybe we're selfish. It's called survival. Sometimes it's the other person's discomfort. They're not ours. And that becomes, you know, very obvious. You ask what you can do. You talk about the phone call. I'm just a phone call away. And we will tell people, if you want to be supportive, then you need to be proactive. Example, you know, if you need me to pick up anything at the store, just give me a call. Well, i got to tell you, you can be sitting there for many, many, many months to come because we don't know what we want. So my suggestion would be, hi, I'm coming over with dinner at 6 o'clock. How many am I feeding? You need to yeah. be proactive. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That's great. Yeah. It's absolutely great. Especially after the loss of a child because you're numb and you're in shock and you're not going to eat regularly. And that's a Mm-mm. perfect thing to do. You're, you're, and you go through all the emotions, the okay. anger, the disbelief, the the numbness, the, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to put one step forward. And... and you're on a journey, uh, yeah. a, a grief journey, and it's not a straight road. It, it curves around. It, it's like being on a roller coaster and uh, and switchbacks. And you're you know you think you're moving forward, but you take the three steps back. So it's it's a journey, a journey that we certainly don't wish on on anyone. But the reality is. Uh, it's the reality is that nobody knows today if they will need compassionate friends tomorrow. Exactly. We never thought that that we would be in this position. But mm. I want to go back to it for young siblings. Um, yeah. Because sometimes the parents are in such grief that they are not able to really care for that for those surviving children, and so somebody needs to step up 
and to help with that, whether it be taking them to and from school, picking them up after school, doing something, because sometimes the moms and the dads are just not able to do that very early on. And right. as you who have lost, an, you know, an older sibling, um, you know, Compassionate Friends says that when we lose our parents, we lose our past. When we right. lose a spouse, we lose our present. When we lose a child, we lose our future. And when we lose an adult sibling, we lose all three. Because I am sure there are things that you and your sisters have shared that you never shared with your parents. Sure. You never shared with other people. And so I know in Eric's case, he never thought he'd be an only child. Right. He never thought mm-hmm. he'd bear the responsibility of us as we grow older. Yeah. You know, right. Or any of yep. those kinds of things. Sure. I, it's it's just I I I admire what you've done with your life and getting active and compassionate friends. You turned a, a tragedy into something where you can help others. And that's the beauty of what Compassionate Friends does in their support. So tell us about what's going on Sunday, this coming Sunday with the candle lighting. And was I correct that it's international and it's going to be into yes, all is. time zones across the world? That is, that is correct. Um, 17 years ago is when this started in the United States. Um, the first candle will be lit in New Zealand, and in every time zone around the world, at 7 p.m. in your local time zone, people will be lighting candles in memory of their children, the grandchildren, and the siblings who have all died too soon. This wave of light will encircle the globe, and um, your listeners can go to the national website um, to just click on the worldwide candle lighting, and, and it will guide you to state by state as to where you can find a local candle lighting ceremony. Last year, um, we had um, 18 countries participating, along with the candle lightings in each of our states throughout the United States, Puerto Rico, and Washington, D.C. And um, Somebody asked me recently, does it really help? Well, they've chosen the second Sunday because of December each year because we're all faced with the holidays, and we're all being bombarded with all kinds of advertising of happy families, intact families, and it's very difficult when you've had a loss to face the first of everything and then from year to year to face the holiday season. And so the candle lighting helps unite us to know that you're not alone, to know that there are people all over the world who understand what you are going through. And if you cannot attend a public ceremony, then you can light a candle at 7 p.m. in your home and know that you are united with thousands and thousands of people all over the world who are remembering their loved one at 7 p.m. in your local time zone. You know, what's, what's interesting about lighting a candle and the, and, and the candle itself, it's not just that our children have died, but they also lived. Yes. Yes. So, yes, that, that is very important. Yes. Okay, and, 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 and continue to live 
mm-hmm. certainly spiritually, and and I, I know that sounds strange coming from me, but I do recognize. <laughs> we we've talked about that, but I do recognize that, and and for I know certainly for Cindy and and for other people who have lost children, their children continue to live on. For me. Uh, Lisa and Evan live on in my heart. I, I I'm not smart enough or worldly enough to know if they live within my spirit. I, I, I I'll assume they do, but certainly they live on in my heart. Uh, for Cindy, hey, Jay, after 13 years with us, you know they live on in spirit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go along with that. All right. All right, Jay. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to put you on the spot. You got to tell us your Evan B story. Yes. Well, as you know, I'm not quite a believer. Yeah, there there are signs, and but he's he's not quite a skeptic either. You're not quite a skeptic. He's a skeptic, but not a cynic. Yeah, I think think y'all are calling me names now. Wait a minute. So (laughs) we're we're on a ship uh, in in Alaska and we're leaving the port and um, it was a Friday night and uh, in in our faith we're we're Jewish and uh, our friends got together in our cabin on on the ship and we had a little Friday night service so that I could say uh, Kaddish for my son. Uh, the Hebrew prayer for uh, people who, who in your family who have died, and I did that, and it was very emotional, and, and it, it felt good to be able to do that. Then we left the cabin when everybody was going to dinner, and I wanted to go out on the deck of the ship and uh, just be alone for a few minutes. And I went out there, and it was uh, it was dark already, and we were leaving port, and the pilot boat uh, was picking up the, the pilot that took the ship out of the port. And as the boat turned away, I looked down, and I saw the name on the boat. It was the Evan B. Now, my son is Evan Baum, but he used to refer to, and his friends used to call him Evan B. Uh, <laughs> and there's the Evan B there. And I, I got to tell you, I, I, I went running into the dining room and found Cindy, and I said, you're not going to believe this. And, of course, Cindy <laughs> did believe it. <laughs> of course. Of course. But, uh, I, I'm, I'm certain it was a sign. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that much. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Evan's having a good chuckle over there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, how many boats are Evan, <laughs> let alone Evan Yeah, yeah so... Yeah. So uh, now Sydney believes certainly uh, she'll go into a parking lot and uh, Evan will find her a parking space. Parking and I angel. Think that's, yeah. She's my parking angel, and Alice can attest to that. Oh yeah, we had Evan found us a parking space two weeks ago when yeah. we went to lunch. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Very first one. <laughs> that's a subject for a whole other show. Uh. <laughs> Alice, one of the things I'd like to really let your listeners understand, and it's hard to grasp this when you're in early grief, but I try to explain that um, we can't change reality. It is what it is. But we do have a choice 
what to do with our reality. And one of the things we encourage people to do uh, to help them move through the grieving process and the healing process, and it doesn't mean that you have to start a foundation. It doesn't mean you have to give scholarships. It can mean something as simple as holding the door for somebody or giving a smile to somebody who looks like they're having a bad day. But anything that you can do to reach out to others and know in your heart that you do this to honor the memory of your loved ones helps you heal. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. Certainly for us, helping other newly bereaved people, uh, it gives Evan's death a meaning sure. because Evan died of sudden cardiac arrest. But I... I, I've stopped asking the question why. However, we we honor his death, and his death has a meaning in in the work that Cindy has been doing, helping others uh, all these years. Uh, it 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 pays homage to to Evan and to Lisa. Um, in fact, the young lady who I had mentioned earlier, who had come to our meeting. Um, after her baby had been born still, and she had a picture of her beautiful baby, Emily. Mm -hmm. And after I had made the decision, and after we had gone ahead and had the ceremony to name Lisa, I called that mom, and I said to her, I want you to know how important your daughter Emily's birth has been in my life. I don't ever want you to think that... You carried that child, and that that even though she was born still, she had a tremendous impact on my family because it was because of Emily that I had the courage to go back and to name my own daughter. And that mom cried and said it made such a difference to her because it put that into perspective. Wow. I got well, chills all over. That that's amazing. And what a what a gift to her, Cindy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, she gave me a gift. So, exactly. You know, and and that's here what it's all again. about. Exactly. That's the support process. Yes, it's you give the, sometimes you give the energy, sometimes you take the energy. It's that give and take and the telling of your story over and over again that the healing takes place. Yeah, you know uh, that's what that is, that's how you started the show out tonight. You're talking about energy, and the energy yeah. continues on. And um, I, I will forever be indebted to you guys for teaching us that. Wow. Cool. Wow. Uh, thank you, Jay. I'm. I know that was hard. That's, that's uh, um, wow. That and, makes it all worthwhile. You know, and that's why we do what we do. Yep. You know, if we can touch one person at a time, that's that gives us purpose. And that's why we do this show, to help everyone who's listening to learn that there's hope. Um, Cindy, you posted something today that I want to cop that I want to read. Uh the author's unknown, uh, but I shared it on Facebook as well. And it was a sign that said, grief never ends, but it changes. It's a passage 
not a place to stay. Grief is not a sign of weakness nor a lack of faith. It is the price of love. It is. Yeah. And, that's you know, and it, that, that's so important that people know it's okay to grieve, but it's also okay to move through it. And, and I know you Correct. talk about that a lot, Cindy, that you don't get over it, but you move through it. If you, can you explain that, what you taught me? Well, it's true. We can sometimes take two steps forward and then something's going to trip us up, as Jay says. It's kind of like a roller coaster ride. And I, and I try to share with my members that it's okay to have a bad day. You've earned it. Uh, but we move, we move forward, and the grief will change. It is not... Um, and it's a different time frame for everybody. Um, in the very beginning, some of that very um, physical pain and grief that we feel. Um, now I close off that portion, and I think more and focus more on Evan's life than his death. Um, because that's where I choose to go. And as I said, we do have choices to make. Um, so we, we do d- definitely move through it, but we can't grieve on anyone else's timetable. Mm-hmm. And I can also tell you that as much as Jay may want to carry my grief, he can't. I can't right. carry his. Every family member has their own dynamic. The loss of a grandchild, for example, is not only the loss of that grandchild, but it's seeing your own child in such pain and not yes. being able to help them. So that kind of becomes like a, a double thing. And so many of the things that we've talked about this evening, we have um, brochures through the national organization. And people can go on our national website and they can read them online or they can order them through the national. Um, because I know in our chapter we have people who have lost their children to accidents, to suicide, to homicide, to illness. Um, You name it, we have heard it all. And some of the terminology that Compassionate Friends has come up with I think are particularly important for your um, listeners to hear. Let's talk first about the word suicide. I, I was going to ask you about this because you taught this to me and I have shared this with others and this is so important. I want everyone to listen to this. Go on. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> we don't say they committed suicide. We do not say they killed them. We choose to say they died of suicide or by suicide. It is no different than when my son died because he had a heart attack or somebody whose child died of cancer. We have learned now that in so many instances, a suicide is either deep depression, which is an illness, brain chemistry that's gone awry, medications that have gone awry, any number of these things. And I guess one of the best analogies with one of my members whose son died by suicide likened it to the people who jumped out of the towers in New York on 9-11 to make the pain stop. Yes. Yeah. It's an illness. that Most suicides just want to be out of the pain that they are in. 
And then we go, and you've heard me say, a baby born still. Right. We don't say it was a stillborn, because that sounds very cold and very, I don't know, impersonal. And that mother became pregnant, her hormones changed, her body changed, and in so many instances they had to go through an actual delivery, and the baby was born. The baby was just born still. And so, um, yes, and it, and it has made a difference to a lot, a lot of people with just not what you say, but how you go ahead and say it. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I've learned a lot about terminology. Um, I don't say to many of my bereaved parents, especially early bereaved, have a happy new year or a happy birthday. I'll say have a that's, beautiful day. That's important. What do you say? Have a peaceful? I say have a peaceful day. I, like I have a, a very dear friend of mine who no longer wants to celebrate any of the holidays, and especially her birthday. And she had a big birthday. And I wanted to take her out. So, And she says, well, you know how I feel about celebrating birthdays. And I said, no, we're not going out to celebrate your birthday. So I wouldn't take her out on the day of her birthday. I took her out a day mm-hmm. or two. We're going out to celebrate our friendship. Can you do that with me? Uh-huh. So we celebrated we celebrated friendship. That's cool. So I like that. Yeah. So it's a question of changing your mindset with words that are so important. That's Very. that's oh my gosh, that's it's incredible advice. I love that because it is. I find it very difficult uh in knowing what to say to people and happy birthday um merry christmas happy new year all of those are are so hard to say yeah. um at the time it's going on you know especially when it's fresh and that's tremendous advice um or wow you know i love i love talking to you about this i really do you're so knowledgeable and can just share so much wealth with everyone um I, I want people to understand that one of the nicest things that you can do is to remember on the either the birthday or what we call the angel date to send a little card to say, I rem- you know, thinking about Evan and the, some right. of the wonderful memories we had. But those things matter because... Truthfully, the beginning of year two in many losses can be more devastating than even the beginning of year one. And mm-hmm. that has a very logical reason because, you know, uh, at the time of a death, and you, you can relate to this, people were calling you, people were sending cards, they were writing, people were bringing right. food. Okay, mm-hmm. and then two, three months down the line, those calls stop, the food right. stops, and people move on with their life, and we're all left with the losses. And in the beginning, we're in shock, and it doesn't matter whether you expect the loss. If there has been an illness or if it's sudden, there's never been enough time. There's always one more thing you want to say to a loved one, and that can be with any kind of a loss. You know, one more thing you wanted to ask them, any, any of those things. Well, by the, by the time you've gone through the first of everything, the first Thanksgiving, the first Hanukkah, the first Christmas, New Year's, birthday, anniversary date then reality really sets in because everybody mm-hmm. has moved forward and there you are right 
So well, that's what you're too. Well, far. you know, the, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up real quick is I, I, I've noticed in in many people. Uh, if someone passes, and, and I do it all the time in, in readings, say their name. Yes. You know, it's yeah, very acknowledge important them. to acknowledge the person that exists. You know, some people say, well, your son or your daughter, and, you know. Or, and if the but, name doesn't come through in a reading, yeah. we always ask, I always ask for what the was name. his name, what was her name, so, so that, that we can, can acknowledge them. We can acknowledge and honor their presence and their, their, their existence. That's very important. Absolutely. I have a question for you because you just you used a phrase, um, angel date. Is that the date that you refer to the date of passing, the date of death? Yes. And so and is it, that? I'm always I'm always concerned about is that a date that is? I mean, obviously the the person is going to remember that date is very special. But is it a date that you just say, I'm thinking of you? today or yes. is it yes. it's always appropriate to do that I, I i think in most cases now there are some people who try to block out all memory of of that date uh, right you know there mm. are always exceptions but most of the people that i have met over these last um 10 years that i've been working with compassionate friends um they acknowledge it and in fact at our meeting and here again, it's different in, in different chapters. We light a candle before every meeting. We light it, as Jay said, not only because they died, but because they lived and their light will always shine. And we choose, even if you don't come to meetings anymore, but if you've come through our chapter, every month we read the names of the birthdays and the angel dates of any of the children or grandchildren or siblings to honor them every month. So we, we do this automatically, and it really means quite a, a lot to people. And sometimes people will come back just specifically for that date. Um, you know, we want to know that people don't forget our children, because that's one of our Absolutely. biggest fears. Absolutely. Forgot. Sure. I, I want to remind everyone again that the website we're talking about is Compassionate Friends, plural, CompassionateFriends.org. The national phone number is 877-969-0010. You can call them and find out where your local chapters are. You can go to the website, check for your local chapters. And the um, candlelighting, the annual candlelighting ceremony will be this coming Sunday, December 8th, at 7 p.m. in all your time zones. If you want to be involved with your local chapter, give them a call, and it's not too late. You can get involved for this Sunday or attend it. If you are not near one or if you cannot, you can light a candle in your home to honor your loved one or friends' loved ones at 7 p.m. Sunday night. Um, wow. Anything else that... Um, you want yeah, to ask I got them? one more. Th- I got one do. more thing to say to you guys. Okay. Uh, Dennis and Alice, I love you guys. I, I, I love you. Thank we you. love you we too, love Jay. You. you are you know, both very special. You've done obviously more for us than we could have ever done for you. Um, you guys are just phenomenal, and I love what you've done, not only for yourselves and your family, but you've shared it with everyone else. 
and and I know Cindy, you're just um, a powerhouse. <laughs> well, I, and I just want to say, Jay, you know, I I want to honor how well you I have raised you over the last thirteen or fourteen, fifteen years. <laughs> You have, you have learned well, and and you're going. You know there is hope for you yet. <laughs> well, uh, one day when we go out on the boat, still when, when I go on the boat, they call it boating, not fishing. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, perhaps. We, try, we try to make it catching, right? Catching, not fishing. Yes, that's either. the. That's where we're <laughs> headed. That's the goal. <laughs> oh. Well, I wish I could have come down this time, but it was just, it was very important for Alice to be there and for her her sister's passing, and and uh, she got some really incredible memories to uh, to carry along with her for Diane, and I and I and I'm going to say Diane, and not your, just your sister. Exactly, you and know? but the, you know the signs. You know, you guys have so many stories about signs. Jay told the Evan B. Cindy, what's your favorite sign story? Yeah. Oh, and then we can tell the funny one. Oh, I'm, um, it seems as though I have a thing with with rainbows. Yes. Um, it was Thanksgiving, uh, maybe three four years ago, and we were driving on the turnpike, and it was uh, in the late afternoon, and they were having we were having terrible storms. The sky was just thick, black, heavy clouds, and I. I was really afraid. Jay was doing the driving, thank goodness, but I was really afraid to be on the roads, and I was very, very apprehensive, and I kept saying, Evan, I need a, I need you to send me a sign. I need a sign because I'm really scared, and I need to know that you're with me. And I said, all right, Evan. Dennis says, be specific, so I'm going to be very specific. I need you to send me a rainbow. And Jay looks at me, Woody, what out of your mind? Look at the sky. It's, it's black and heavy and thick. And just then he turns off of the turnpike onto one of the roads on 595. And as we turn and continue on that new road, all of a sudden the sky opens up a little bit and the most beautiful rainbow appears. And I said, thank you, Evan. Thank you. I know you're near me. And we get to the house, and everyone who walked in and said, did you see that beautiful rainbow? And uh-huh. I just smiled in my heart because I knew my son sent me that rainbow. Uh, oh, cool. I love that. I That's love that. That's very, very cool. Oh, I don't think <laughs> I heard that one. You've got so no. many. No. All right, Cindy. We're going to tell the story about story? when I was at your house, and I got up and had coffee in the morning. Oh, yes. And I'm using a coffee cup that I found in the cabinet. And the both of you right. thought you were both crazy. Okay, and Dennis was still sleeping in in the bedroom. He was in the other room. Yeah, I was still asleep. All right, and so I'm drinking coffee, and as I'm I walking... I was upstairs I'm, in my office. You were upstairs, and I'm hearing music. And I'm not, and I don't know where this music is coming from. And I'm hearing music, and then I, so I put the cup down, and I'm walking around looking for the music, and th- and it stops, and there's and no music. You know you're crazy. And so I sat down, and I'm starting to drink my coffee, and I hear music again. <laughs> All right, so Cindy, you tell the rest of the story. And what was it playing? It, wasn't it somewhere over the rainbow? 
Yes, it was. It was okay. playing <laughs> over the rainbow. And we look at the cup, and there's a whale on the cup or something. <laughs> I had never used that cup before. It was given to me, and I don't even remember by who. And the, my girl who was here helping me kept saying, Miss Alice, it's coming from you. And we were laughing so Well, then we figured out that the music was from coming from the cup, and we didn't see anything. So, but we went, we rinsed out the cup, and we Dennis gets up, and we make sure that he picks up that cup. (laughs) We're hysterical. That's what. Yeah, I forgot that. Right? Oh yeah, it was a musical cup. It was the craziest thing. Once it heats up, it starts. And we were laughing so hard, and well, it, it causes the switch to go off, and the music starts right. playing. Right, but when didn't it's you tell coffee. me that it never sang again? It never played again. It never wow. played that one day, and never played again. And then you said you had a gift you wanted to give me. Right. And it was already wrapped, so we knew that she had done this in advance. And she gave me the most beautiful pin, and in it, it had the colors of the rainbow. It was, <laughs> it was so bizarre. It was a rainbow day. That was, Evan was that, there very strong. <laughs> that was so He funny. was messing with both of you. <laughs> and that's where laughter is good, yes. too. And, and laughter, you know, does come into play. And I, I talked about it last week where we were um, with my sister Diane at hospice, and we just we laughed more than we'd ever laughed before, um, but with her, and it, it was a beautiful thing. I have to say that, that I called Alice one day and I was talking to her and she she answered the phone, but they were laughing. They were laughing so hard she couldn't talk, so she handed it the phone to one of the other girls there, and she was laughing so hard she couldn't talk, so we finally just hung up. I was trying to tell you what we were laughing about, and I couldn't. I was yeah. laughing so hard. I'm telling you, that was the, that was the weirdest conversation so, I ever had. Anyhow, I think sometimes people believe they feel guilty the first time that they laugh. Yes. They feel as though they're not supposed to. And... I went to a workshop at our national conference, and the question, it was talking about um, humor and grief, and I know that doesn't sound as though they go together, but the question was asked, when was the first time you ever laughed after the death of your child? And I had to think about that, and I actually laughed the first time at Evan's funeral. Oh, because Evan was very, very humorous. He had a wonderful sense of humor. And um, my daughter-in-law and one of my friend's daughters did a tribute to Evan, and they they listed a bunch of what they referred to as Evanisms, mm-hmm. some of the things that he would do or say that were so pertinent to Evan. And what was so wonderful is to hear laughter from the people behind me And it warmed my heart because that's who my son was. And sometimes when people feel so guilty if they laugh or they have any kind of of fun again, um, we try to say to them, if your loved one were watching you right now, what would they want to see? And there's a famous story that that goes like this, and it's to do with an elderly couple 
who after 60 years of marriage, the wife died. And he was in such grief, and he didn't want to eat, he didn't want to change his clothes or whatever. And he said, if I could only see my wife one more time, if I could only see her. And the question was asked, if she could see you, would she oh. be pleased with what she saw? Mm-hmm. So sometimes we have to think, is this what our children would want from us? Is this what our siblings would want, us to be in such deep depression and grief? Or would they want us to share those happy memories and, and to keep that alive? Because if we only focus on the day of their death, then they become a victim the rest of our life. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want that for my child. My mm. child was more so I've learned to coexist. I coexist with the loss and the love because they're intertwined. To give up any part of my son or my daughter would not be acceptable to me. Therefore, I must learn to coexist. Yeah. I like that. Very well that's, put. Uh, that's extremely well put. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. You guys are just phenomenal. Thank you so much. Um, any anything else that you want to add to tell people? Because um, I know we could go on forever and ever and ever. But no, Jay, I think Jay, uh, Evan, Evan, and uh, Lisa have have taught me to love life. It's oh. uh, you know, say, give out the hugs and the I love yous, and uh, yes, it's. Um, you know, life is pretty good. Uh, no, life is damn good. And uh, look, look for the smallest things and and smile and and uh, go about your life and and, and enjoy it. Yep. I love that. And and be open to the signs. You know, if anything, you guys have taught us that the signs are there, especially to those that don't believe and that are skeptical, as Jay was. Um, if if you can get a sign like that, everybody can get them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's so important because that's when you know they're around. I mean, something as simple as a parking spot, Cindy, or especially the or big as, rainbow in a black sky. Or as intricate as asking for three twelves to be shown to you and having it appear on a... CD player that has six CDs. It's the third CD, twelfth song. I asked for C- to see t- three twelves for my message. If I'm doing this right, if I'm doing, if I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing, I want this, and I want it exactly like this, three twelves. And that's exactly how they get it. And that's what the universe does. People over there, they go, okay, literally, that you asked for three twelves. And that's what it was. Third CD, 12th song. And it was about twin souls. That was one of my, the biggest signs I've ever had as far as a you know, significance in my life. But anybody that has lost someone, ask them for specific signs like Cindy did. I think the M&B some, is a pretty big sign. The m is really great. That's I mean, a that's huge specific. Sign. And those are the kinds of signs that you can look for. And that story is in our next book. Oh, yeah. The Evan b so, it's just it's just dealing with with this side is is the hardest part, but if you can grasp a hold of the spiritual side that, know, that where you know that that person that you've lost is not gone, 
just their body is not existing anymore, but they are very much existing. And they're always going to be there. They're never not going to be there. Even if we, we talk about reincarnation and people coming back, even if they come back, the essence of who that person was in this lifetime is still there on the other side and is still communicating back and forth, even though their consciousness might, might be in life. You know what I mean? Exactly. So if you're talking to them, know they're, know they're hearing you. If you're saying something to them, know they, they definitely heard you. And if you want proof of it, ask for a specific sign. Exactly. And Cindy, so. I have a question for you. I don't, think, I don't know that uh, we've talked about this before. Um, I had an issue come up when I was talking with um, some of my family members. And for us, I've always used the word passing, that someone has passed or transitioned or crossed Crossed over. over. Um, I try to stay away from the words died and death. And yet, that's what it is. I like to say it's more the death of the body. The soul lives on. How do you handle that with compassionate friends? Do you, I notice that you use the word death and died a lot. Uh, I do because I believe, and some of the people who are a lot smarter than me, um, until we can acknowledge yeah. the death, we cannot truly begin to heal, and it's a very hard word. I know for me personally, um, I never really used that word until uh, about 11 months later when I first learned Mm -hmm. that Evan had died. I remember calling my sister, and I used the words, we've lost Evan. Uh. Evan had the worst sense of direction, and her first response until she realized I was crying was, what do you mean you lost him? Where is he? And right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. would say, if I lost, if I lost my son, you better believe I'd go to the ends of the earth to find him. Find him, yeah. Right. So we use a lot of euphemisms, but the reality is that they have died, and it wasn't right. until because Evan lived in Tampa, I could pretend that he was just still living in Tampa. I was in denial, and right. one day right. I was alone in my house. And I caught my reflection in my bedroom mirror, and I remember saying, Evan has died, and he is not coming back. Right. I had to say those words because I had to acknowledge the loss, and that is when my healing began. And it's different for everybody. And it's very hard sometimes, and some of my members find it very, very hard but, you know, Shelley and I once did a, a workshop for master's candidates, and we were asked to, to do something about the loss of the child, et cetera. And we started out our speeches. She said, hi, my name is Shelley, and my son Jason would have been 30 years old, but he's dead. And mm-hmm. I said, my daughter Lisa and my, my would have been 40 whatever, and Evan would have been whatever his age, and they too have died. And you could have heard a pin drop, and boy, did that get their attention. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So right. as difficult as it is to use the words, that is what happened. When they told me from the hospital Evan had died, they used the word expired. Well, it can be oh, milk expired, yeah. eggs expire. I hated that word. 
Yeah. There's no date stamped on the bottom of our feet either. Yeah. So. No, I don't no, like I that think, word. But that no, is you're word right. That is commonly used. Yeah. yeah. So we we have to acknowledge at least the the physical death. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I you know I you've you've re- reconditioned me to uh, to do that because Cindy you're exactly right um, with me I I don't think I've ex- I I haven't um, I don't, not the word accepted I haven't um, acknowledged I haven't realized that Diane has died yet yeah. because. I, we didn't see each other. I mean, you know, for I hadn't seen her for five years, and then we went uh, last year. We went there for um, a week and a half, and I saw her, but I hadn't seen her in a year and a half until I went down when she was in hospice. And I have to keep reminding myself that's where I was. That's why she was there, and now she's not. And I, she, I, she's not a phone call away anymore. Right. Um, she, so, she physically yeah. died. Now, yes. be, yeah. because That's of great. your belief and, and, and others as well, wh- whether her soul has passed is a different thing. But to first right. acknowledge the death, the death in the body, she died. Yeah. Right. Uh, then you can move forward, and, and I, I say that realistically, moving forward, not moving backwards. Moving forward, uh, and you know, and your belief system that they've passed, uh, gone beyond that. Yes. That's fine, but you got to first acknowledge that they died. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that, and, and you've completely changed me right now. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of <laughs> liked you the way you were. <laughs> Oh well. Oh my God! I'm gonna have to put up with this now. No, that's. That, I mean, it's, it's an entirely new way of thinking for me because spiritually we've uh, avoided the word death. But you're absolutely right. The the human has physically died, and for us, yes, the soul has moved on, and um, and is over there waiting, and they're the ones sending signs. But they only take that human form uh, in your mind. Again, the soul is completely different. Well, here's here's the 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 way to look at it is, and and, and it's really said well in the from dust to dust. I mean, we start from nothing, and the body is created and and carried by the by the feminine side of our, our the female side of our species, and and then it's given birth, and the guys are involved in it, and I want to touch on that. In a well, minute. yeah, I think so. But you know, and then the body grows and grows and grows, and then it quits, and then it expires, and it goes not dust to dust. Not expires. I mean, the, well, the the body does. <laughs> it dies. Yeah. And it just it, it's it's the circle of life, but that soul continues right. because it doesn't enhance. It doesn't go inside the body. It is everything around the body and. And in the body, but it's, it resides there as a vehicle. But that's how we recognize them, and that's how we recognize people by who they are here. Now, in the next lifetime we we come into, we all will all be different, but we'll recognize each other through the soul. But in this life, yes, when you're in this planet, you are a body, 
and when that body dies, that person, that existence ceases to exist at that moment on the planet, but not in our hearts and our minds and in our Forever living your hearts and yes. memories. Yes. You know. That's okay. Why I, want, I always tell people that the bond between a parent and a child can never be broken. Never, never, never. I agree with you there. And, you know, and I, I want to say something. I, I, I wanted to say this a minute ago, but men and women, uh, as Jay has pointed out, and I agree, are very different. Because fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know which is which is which is which, but I know we in other lifetimes we go back and forth. But in this lifetime, being in the body I'm in as a male, the feelings of having carried a child and, and given birth to it don't exist. So women have a much stronger bond in the physical sense than the, the father does even though we're there through the whole thing, and we, and I, and I guess in Jay and and, uh, and Cindy's day, they, you weren't in the delivery room, were you, Jay? No, that's what you. You said. weren't no, even in no. there. So, so your your involvement is really when the baby appears, and here it is, and wow, now we get to we, we go to love it, and you st- and you love it anyway because you've gone through the process, but not like the female. And I need that. I think that needs to be pointed out that that bond is in the physical sense, is much stronger. But the spiritual connection that fathers have and can, can nurture and grow is what we deal with on our, on our masculine side, is that spiritual connection. And it's, yeah, and, it's just as and big. And that, that shows up, Dennis, if, if you go to a, a house of mourning where, where yes. family has come from, from the cemetery uh-huh. And you go to a house of mourning, and people come in, and and if it's with the death of a child, mm-hmm. they don't go to the father; they go right. to the mother. The mother is the one that suffered the loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the and, but the bond is still and, there, and the, but, and I think the the father does experience it as as strongly sure. in a different way. That's what he's that's saying, what and that's say. why yeah. it's so important yeah. for yeah. people to know. Um, acknowledge the to father acknowledge too. the father and the siblings. Yes, and the siblings. Yes, everybody. I, I'm glad you guys pointed that out because that really needs to be kind of hammered home because we do forget about fathers and we forget about the siblings of those people and you know and they get kind of pushed aside. It's almost like I think Linda. I, I don't know. Anyway, I I, I have a I mean. question, Cindy too. Um, from your compassionate friend's experience, we had um, a, a former uh, a client who had lost a t- um, let me rephrase this whose one child had died, still had another child um, yeah. that was still a, a teenager. How do you deal with the parent who is ignoring the family? And what you know, the the parent that says, "My child has died. I want to die." I don't think they do it on purpose. I think no, they, it's yeah. it's shock, and it's yeah. what you do. But how do you, how do you bring them, them? How do you help them? What yeah. can you say, and, and without lessening their need to grieve? What but about your other daughter? You've got another. You have more children that you have to consider and take care of. Is there a way of uh, something that we can say? Well. Yeah. One of the things that 
it's very difficult because we don't ever want to sound judgmental. No, right. not at all. Um, okay. Um, I can remember at the time of, that Evan died saying, I don't know how I can go on living without my son. Right. Yeah. Now, somebody who had never, who was not familiar with the loss of a child might have thought I was contemplating suicide. Right. That wasn't what I meant. But there are parents who only can think about the one that has died and not the one that is alive. And one of the most enlightening workshops I ever went to uh, at the National Conference was one given by um, siblings 18 and older. And it was a workshop for parents and and they started out by saying, if you've come here to this workshop to hear things you want to hear, then I suggest you get up and leave because we're going to tell it like it is. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. One of the things that, um, <laughs> there were a couple of things that they said, um, sometimes, and depending on the age of the surviving siblings, um, they have a very difficult time because a lot of times they don't want to do anything that's going to upset the parent because the parent is crying and a lot of times they don't want to add to that, so they go inward a lot. Uh-huh. And we hear a lot about that. Um, and here again, it, it, it takes time and being able to tell their story at a meeting and listening to some of the other stories where sometimes we discuss this very topic about your surviving children. But one of the things that they had said... Um, was that they never cried in front of the mother, but the mother was always crying in front of them. Um, and the mm. tendency, the perception, keeping in mind that the perception of your surviving child in many instances will be, I bet you they wished it had been me instead. Ah. Uh, yeah. Well, and yeah. that is what sometimes happens to surviving siblings. Yeah. And one of the things that... Um, one time the sibling broke down and cried and the mother started to cry and the sibling said to her, oh no, this is my day to cry. I let you have your day. This is mm. my time. Well, it's a, it's a tough, 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 situation. tough situation. Yeah, yeah. Because they're competing with the ghost. Yeah, exactly. And, okay, and a lot of times we have selective memory. Mm-hmm. We can choose to remember, and, and, and not all children are perfect, and we deal with the death of imperfect children, okay? But that doesn't mean that we love them any less. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes for a sibling, they're competing with what then becomes a perfect child. Mm. And, and, and that's very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, and the siblings go through a tremendous amount of guilt, uh you know, it, it should have been me and, and, and not, you know, not Evan. Right. It should have been me. I mean, Eric, Eric did that. But then, you know, sometimes, and depending on the age, especially late teens, early 20 siblings, want things the way they were. They want things to go back to be normal. Yeah. They want to go out and do fun things and, and, and have a life that they're entitled to have. And then they feel guilty. Well, how can I go out and enjoy myself when my brother or my sister has died? And so they're very conflicted. And so there are certain chapters that do have um, sibling support. We have sibling support online. 
and it's very difficult. We try not to have a, a parent and a sibling necessarily sitting in the same group. Because, that was gonna, um, I was going to ask you about that if you had separate groups for the siblings. In, in many chapters, and we hope to one day in Miami, and there is a separate fantastic sibling program on the national level because sometimes they will not be as open and honest at a meeting where they need to get something out because of fear of hurting the feelings mm-hmm. of somebody. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, there is a need for siblings to speak with other siblings because they're going through some of the same things. Um, but the okay. best way I can describe compassionate friends is if you will allow me for a moment to read the credo that we say at every meeting. Please because do. Because this, in essence, to me, is everything rolled into one. And understand for your listeners, every time that you hear the word child, we also mean grandchild and sibling as well. It says, we need not walk alone. We are the compassionate friends. We reach out to each other with love, with understanding, and with hope. Our children have died at all ages and for many different causes, but our love for our children unites us. Your pain becomes my pain, just as your hope becomes my hope. We come together from all walks of life, from many different circumstances. We are a unique family because we represent many races and creeds. We are young and we are old. Some of us are far along in our grief, but others still feel a grief so fresh and so intensely painful that we feel helpless and see no hope. Some of us have found our faith to be a source of strength. Some of us are struggling to find answers. Some of us are angry, filled with guilt, or in deep depression. Others radiate an inner peace. But whatever pain we bring to this gathering of the compassionate friends, it is pain we share, just as we share with each other the love of our children. We are all seeking and struggling to build a future for ourselves, but we are committed to building a future together. As we reach out to each other in love, and share the pain as well as the joy, share the anger as well as the peace, share the faith as well as the doubts, and help each other to grieve as well as to grow. We need not walk alone. We are the compassionate friends. That's cool. That's perfect. uh, That says it all. That really does. It says Uh, it all. Wow, I you know what a perfect place to end the topic. This show is going to be archived so that we will <laughs> refer people to it to listen to. It's it's cleared up a lot for me, and I hope it has for our listeners on how to talk with a newly bereaved friend, uh, how to handle it, how to um, make it less. Uh, uncomfortable for you to be in that situation with them, how to make it easier for them to accept your um, condolences, I guess, yeah. is the, the way to say it. People just never know what to say. Um, and I, Cindy and Jay, I thank you so much for being with us. We love you guys. We you love know you that. both. You're terrific. We I know we can always too. count on you. I know it's late where you are. We appreciate you staying up for us. Again, I want to let people know it is compassionate friends.org and the 
direct phone number is uh, 877-969-0010. That's the national number for Compassionate Friends. Check on your local chapters. This Sunday, December 8th, 7 p.m. in every time zone across the world for the candle lighting ceremony. Go to CompassionateFriends.org and find out all about it and how you can join in. Um, Cynthia and Jay Baum, thank you so much for being with thank us you tonight. Um, thank we you love you both. We love you both dearly. Thank you for sharing your personal experience and pain with us. Uh, I know you've been helpful for everyone out there. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for being in our lives, guys. Yay. And uh, right. with that, we, uh, we want to uh, uh, say goodbye to you guys and let everyone know we're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back. You're listening to Messages from Beyond with Dennis and Alice Jackson, we'll and be we'll right be right back. back. Hi, this is Dennis Jackson from Messages from Beyond. Are you searching for your twin soul? Tired of kissing so many frogs to find your prince or princess charming? And this is Alice Jackson. Our book, Together Again, Twin Souls Reunite in Love and Life, is about spiritual connections and discovery. It is also about life's adventures, but mostly it's about love and two people who discover that eternal, unconditional love, true love, is but a heartbeat away. It's our story. Why not make it your story, too? Together Again has also been called a guidebook to finding one's own twin soul. Together Again is now available in hard copy and ebook Kindle format on Amazon.com. Hi, I'm Alice Jackson. As twin soul spiritual mediums, Dennis and I are able to connect you with your loved ones on the other side. If you like getting a message on the radio, you'll love being part of the telecircle. With only six people on a one-hour phone conference, you'll receive your personal message and will have time to ask questions. You'll also receive the original artwork drawn by me and my spirit guides, plus an MP3 recording of the entire session. Great fun and powerful messages at an affordable cost. People from all over the world join in on these telecircles. Experience this unique connection with like-minded souls while sitting in your own home. Full details are on our website, messagesfrombeyond.com. Just click on Telecircles. Call or email us to reserve your space or set an appointment for a private reading. 877-595-4111. Messages from Beyond. Hi, I'm Alice Jackson. You've heard us talk about our book and meditation CDs. They are now available for online ordering through our website, messagesfrombeyond.com. Click on the book cover to order together again, Twin Souls Reunite in Love and Life, our personal true story of how Dennis and I met and recognized each other from past lives. This will become your guidebook on finding your own twin soul. Then click on Meditation CDs to view our entire meditation collection. There are 10 titles in Series 1, each with two tracks totaling 45 minutes of guided meditations. Series 2 is Raising Your Soul's Vibrations, a deep breathing meditation to raise your vibrational level to connect you with your higher self and spirits on the other side. Soft music and Dennis's soothing voice will provide you with a meditation to relax and center you, either before or after an active day.
Well, we are back, uh, but we are... Back. We're going Thank to you be guys for listening. Thank you for being here. We're going to uh, we're going to end our show yeah. now. But I want to tell you, Cindy told me to let you uh, all in on this information. This is great because the candle lighting for Compassionate Friends is this Sunday, December eighth, starting at seven p.m. in your time zone at twelve o one a.m. Sunday morning. December 8th, whatever time zone you're in, you can go to the um, website. I guess it's whatever time yeah. zone you're in. Yeah. Uh, go to the website, compassionatefriends.org, and you can post a message there to honor your loved one that has um, that has died yeah. and cool. crossed over. Yeah. Um, you can post a message. Last year, they received 5,300 messages. Yeah. These Amazing. are red, people. Um, Amazing. And, you know, so, so honor your loved one in that way. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful organization, and we're delighted and, to have been able to bring this to you tonight. Yeah. And, uh, so we thank you for being with us. We thank Cindy and Jay Baum of Miami, Florida, uh, for being with us and letting you all know their personal stories and about compassionate friends. And to all of our callers, we have an answer. I'm sorry. I apologize to all you guys. We have to. We we. This was not a reading show tonight. Next week next we will week, have an all reading all show. reading show. Let so everyone know we are know. back on board next week. We'll be doing all readings. Call in. Join our uh, chat room. Thank you to all of you that were in our chat room tonight. We've enjoyed um, seeing you and being with you tonight, as always. You've been listening to Messages from Beyond with Dennis and Alice Jackson. May peace be with you always. 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 With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.